0: Not
1: like
0: uh yeah I have a put away with the screen school do this again. Mm-hmm. Ah, yes, sorry.
1: Ah, it looks better, isn't it? Yep, we can see it. Very good. So uh, so
0: as you know, the, the title of this lecture is the star height problem. My name is Jean, Jean-Éric Pant. I'm uh, working in Paris. And uh, this will be a, a round of walks through combinatorics, uh, some algebra, a little bit of logic, and uh, some topology as well. But I will try to explain everything. So please, if something is not here, immediately interrupt me. We are not such meeting in the audience. So you can just uh, open your microphone and, and tell me when, when you don't follow. So, to start, I would like to fix some notation. So I use uh, notation for uh, words, letters, alphabet, which is on the screen. so the alphabet is a as, as a for alphabet. Uh, in this lecture, uh, I will use mostly a two letter alphabet with a b. And so the words, you can see some example, a, b, a, b, a, b a. and. Uh, There is a special word, as you know, the word which I denote by one because it's it's the identity for the product, the competition product. So, language is a set of words, as you know. So, you have this. So, this is the first example. This is another one, an infinite one. And the set of all words is uh, denoted by a star, this is uh, also the free monoidon a. Is that uh, clear to everybody? So uh, what are the, the uh, usual uh, operational language that I will be using? So you have the uh, so-called Boolean operation, union, intersection, uh, complement, which I denote by, uh, L is a c as an exponent. The product concatenation product is a component-wise product, so you take a word in the first language, a word in the second language, you concatenate them, concatenate them, and the thing is star operation, which you can define in two different ways. Uh, either as just this infinite union as uh, the empty word union L, you know the product of L by itself, and so on or in a slightly more algebraic way, it's just a sub of a star generated by air. So what are the regular expressions? Uh, you probably also know what they are. You start with the empty set or with the expression uh, uh, reduced to the empty word. You could also start from the letters, so in my case, A and B. And then you are allowed to use union product and star as operation. So here are three examples. And to star and uh, this one where I use union product and star And this regular expression represents regular languages. But uh, an important fact is that if you have a given uh, regular language, it can be represented by many uh, regular expressions, and actually, it can be represented by infinitely many regular expression. So, just take uh, this example you see that A is alphabet, so this is AB. So, this is a regular expression for this language. This is another one. This is the third one. or You see that I have this nested stars. Well, the second one doesn't have much. Uh, this one is a little bit more sophisticated, but it still represents the language a star. So every word can be written in, in, in this form.
2: And Dr. Penn, from the regular expressions perspective, what's the difference between the empty set and the set that only contains one?
0: There is a difference because the empty set represents the empty set. And uh, so, for instance, yes, let me go back to this. For instance, this. Uh, empty set star uh, would be equal to the set radius to the empty world. So that's, that's the difference. Okay, so that's uh, the regular expressions and uh, let me say a little bit about the restricted star ice problem. So, as you remember, the title of my lecture is the star height problem, but I won't first talk about the restricted star height problem, which was also a very famous problem, but this one has been solved. So what it is, uh, it works works in this way. Let's have a look at uh, this example, this example over there. Yeah. Yeah, this one. So you see, this is a, a, a regular expression. You see some union product and star, and you see some labels. And the, the red labels, which I call level one, the blue label, which I call level two, and the uh, green label, which is level three. And those, so this expression is as a restricted to three because it has the maximum nested depth of stars in this expression is three. So, I don't want to make this definition formal, but I hope to see what it means. Want this example? Is that clear also? Yeah? Yeah. Thank you. So, so now going back to languages, the restrictive style of a regular language, it is the minimal style of a regular expression representing this language. So, you look at all possible ways. All possible ways to represent your regular language, and to try to find an expression with the smallest specific star height. Okay. And so this problem was asked uh, back to 1963, or uh, a long time ago, more than 60 years ago, almost 60 years ago, uh, which was given a regular language. Can you compute it's restricted star height. And to start with, uh, are there any language of star height 0, 1, 2, 3, n? And this problem has been, has been completely solved. So let me just uh, briefly review this. So first of all, it was proved all, uh, just two years after the problem was uh, raised that there exists a language of restricted star height n for each n. Okay, good. And next it was proved by Ashigushi first that one can decide whether a language is as a style, but it should be restricted star at time. Okay, so restricted star one is decidable, meaning that I can decide whether a language has restricted star one. And later on, Ashigushi proved that restricted star. Is decidable. So, for each n, you can decide whether a language has a star height.
2: Doctor, uh, in the yeah, in the statement that for each n there exists a language of restricted star height n, is that given any arbitrary alphabet, or is that where you're allowed to choose the alphabet beforehand? That's a,
0: really, a very good question. Actually, the example given, the original uh, example given by Jean Schutzenberger, involved uh, language uh, on no, no, an n-letter alphabet. But mm-hmm. you can easily transform it into a, a two letter alphabet. So okay. there, it could be more precise. There exists a language on, on a two letter alphabet of respect to So I,
2: think. I yeah. guess what I'm wondering is it seems to me like it would be a trivial proof because you would just take n symbols and then put a star on each one. And if they're all distinct symbols and you put them in a row, then that language could only be expressed with that many symbols, right? Or am I misunderstanding?
0: Yeah, well, well, well. Uh, remember that the star height is oh, it's the the, is the nested depth. Right, right. So right, so right. Okay. It, so okay. So it, it will not be a right not. A, a, it, it will be language of type one. But, right. Was, okay. Right? right.
3: Yeah.
0: So anyway, this was this was, uh, this, this was the first proof by Ashikusu was really uh, almost unreadable basically, and but fortunately we, used uh, uh, gave a much simplified proof, still very technical, uh, not technical, but very difficult, but uh, it could, could be understood. And moreover, the complexity uh, is uh, now known to be in double exponential space for this algorithm. And this problem has got uh, many uh, consequences on uh, things like uh, Max Plus and tropical semirings, regular construction. I don't want to go into this thing, but just to say that. This is a still alive uh, topic of review. But now let me come back to my original and topic of this lecture, which is star height. So for star height, I'm not using regular expression, but I'm using something called extended regular expression, which are just the same, except that now I'm using complementation. On top of union, product and so. So, and since you have this uh, well-known formula, uh, you can freely uh, add intersection if you wish. So, so here you have an example of, uh, of an extended regular expression. I'm using union, intersection, complement over there, and so. So this is the really. So now we can do exactly the same thing. The star height of an extended regular expression is obtained at this exactly the same definitions. So this is a maximum nested depth of stars. So for instance, in this expression, you know, you have uh, here the first level one and the second level two. Uh, the complement doesn't count for the level, so this, this extended regular expression must star too. Very good. So, in the, just in the same way, what is a star eye of language? There is no restriction anymore. The definition is this: this is a minimal star eye of an extended regular expression representing this language. Okay, so now we're going to do exercises, practical exercises, and I need your help. So we start with the star height zero, and these languages are called star free languages for some obvious reason. You want to, if you have star i zero, you have no star at all. And the question is, uh, I give you a, this see, there is a, a long series of uh, languages, and we will try to see whether one can st- Say whether these languages are star-free or not.
1: So let's start with the,
0: the first one. What are, what do you think about a star? Is it star-free or not? Okay. Uh, it
2: clearly, has a star, right? It has a star,
0: but remember, it is a minimal of all star- expressions. So, I, I, so it, does anybody see it? there is actually a trick? The trick is, I give you I, the trick. The trick you don't forget you, you can allow, you are allowed to use complement. So, what is the complement of this language, for instance?
2: It's complement of empty set. Exactly. So,
1: let me write this this way.
0: Okay, so you see on this expression, there is no star at all. So, which means that this language is star free. Okay, next one. What about this one? Again, it looks like there is a star. Anyone has an idea in the audience? I,
2: I think you need the star for that one because you would have to subtract B star in order to get A star, and either way you're writing a star.
0: Well, what what is the complement of this
1: language? It's everything that contains at least one B, right? Exactly. So let me
0: let me observe this. So what you just say is that this is everything that contains a B, at least. Is this right. But this. Is this. Okay, so therefore. A star is. This. Okay that's 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 the trick. So this language, again, is suffering. But what about the next one?
1: This one is easy, easier, actually. So it's basically B followed by everything and everything can be empty set. Complex.
0: Well, actually, basically, the first thing you can do is each if each time you have this capital a star, just use the first equality. Well, I mean, this one. You can just replace every a star by empty complement. So that's it makes things simple, so you can write this as a this, and this, the next one also. You know I can write it in this way, right? So this makes that uh, so. Therefore, again, it's two language. stuff free. Okay. Let's move to the next one. This one is is a uh, much more tricky, actually. But the trick again is uh, to look at the complement.
1: Uh,
0: if you have ideas, please tell me. Otherwise, I will help you because it's that's not uh, uh, that's not so easy.
1: Okay. Uh, uh, I will give
0: you uh, the solution, but even the solution needs to. Uh, explanation. So, what I will do as usual, I will try to, to compute the complement of this language. I claim it is a complement of what? It is a complement of this things. Okay, so uh, what does this mean? What does this represent? So look at a word uh, in this language. Is this complement okay? So this a word which is not in this language in this, in this itself, which is not in this language. Well, it could be the empty word, certainly. Uh, it could be the empty word, but. Uh, if it's not an empty word, the first letter, the first letter is not allowed to be a b. So if the first letter is not a b, it's an A. No, sorry. It's an A. What is the next letter? Well, because of this condition, I don't want to have two consecutive A's in my expression. So the next letter has to be a B. What is the next letter of such a word? Well, now, I don't allow have two consecutive Bs. Well, therefore, the next letter is an A. Sorry, next letter. Uh, uh, uh. The next letter is an a The next letter is a B. Blah, blah, blah. And uh, so you see, I have a, a word of this form, A, B, A, B, A, B, and so on. Well, uh, but I, what is the last letter? Well, now I'm not allowed to have a as the last letter. therefore, the last letter has to be a b, and you'll recognize now your language. Okay, so now you, you can elaborate on this. And of course now when you have this, just replace a star by the complement of uh, the empty set and so the conclusion is, this language is free. Also, it doesn't look. Different. So what about this one, a, a star, which is apparently simpler than the other one?
2: So it can't have a b, and it can't have an odd length, right?
0: Yeah. So actually, you. You're right, actually, we will see because it's not easy. So that's not so easy to prove that this language is not star Yeah,
1: because all is very hard to encode. right?
0: Yeah, but okay, uh, now, you know, I have a bunch of languages. And uh, if you just want to guess, which one is stopping, which one is not toughy. Uh Just this example right here just to show you that this is not especially simple. So this one, uh, sorry, which one this one is stop. This the next one It is this one is is not stuff. This one, the next one are is uh, really stuff. And the last two ones, both are stuff. And uh, actually, this especially this one is uh, amazing because you 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 have this pattern AA and DB inside. Under a star, so missing well, looks like this one, which is not stopped. So at this point, I guess you just get confused. And the conclusion is well, we need an algorithm. Well, actually, question: is there an algorithm to decide whether a language is stopped or not? Is there is a one, and I will show you this algorithm. And so for, for doing this, I need to go to algebra. Well, as you see, this is not a very sophisticated algebra. This is yeah, computation of syntactic colloids. So let's start with uh, my favorite example, AD. So here you have uh, the minimal automaton recognizing this language. I guess, even if you don't have see any automaton, that's very easy to see. You, you start with, uh, you start at the state one, you read A, you read B, and you have to write on state one. So you can look as much as you want and you recognize this thing. So what I want to do is convert this automaton into monoid. And the way I do this, I consider A and B uh, as partial maps from one to itself. So A, A maps, maps one onto two, this so I, I write this one to two. Uh, from two, there uh, so is no image, so I put a zero just to say it's not undefined if you prefer. So I write it this way. And for B, it goes from two to one, two to one. And uh, in one, it is undefined. Okay, so now I want to compose from this table, and I want to do this for all words. So if I start with, first of all, let me start with the empty word. The empty word is considered as the identity, it has the identity on it. So on the state, so if you start from one, you stay in one, if you start from two, you stay in two. So let me just add one here, just to say that, it fact, as the identity. Next, I'm looking at words of length one, which I already did. The, the words of length one are A and B. And then I proceed to compute the word of length two in uh, alphabetic order. So let me compute the words AA, AD, A-A, B-D. So what about AA? If I use AA, I start from one. Uh, as you can see, uh, a, and then uh, there is no way to go. So it's actually. I arrive. Into zero. If I st- start from two reading A, I also arrive in zero because uh, this column will all be, be zero. So we'll not we do it. And so this. Uh, so I can consider this element as a zero because it has it, it uh, acting just as a zero. So, I try to do this. Yes. So the next one is AB. AB is interesting. What does AB? You start from one and you read AB. If you do it, I read A, then B, and I write in one. So, I write one. Eighty fifty one. If I start from state two and I read eighty, where I can't, it is zero. I think that's a new element. So let me continue. Let's do it for BA. BA. Uh, if I start from one, I, can, I can't read any base, so this will be zero. But if I start from two, B and then A, I write in two, so this is two and two. Very good. Now, if I do db, what happens if I do db? Well, if I start from one, I can't read B. If I start from two, I can read B once, but I, I cannot read BB. So actually what I got is that DB is actually exactly the same as AA. So you will end up with a zero, 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 map. So let me keep this as a relation in my mind that is well now i'm not finished because i, I just uh, did the words of length two but i need to go to words of length three so well, let's go if i so but if i start so what are the words of length three normally they are uh, the word starting with AA, so there is A A and A B. Then there is sorry B-A, 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 B-A. The point is that. I don't really need to compute the words which start with is AA or that start with DB. Because I already know that C, C, B, B is zero. Thank if you if you if you use this map, if you are in state zero, which is a non-existing state, you stay there. So actually, I don't need to compute this, I don't need to compute this, I don't need to compute this. And uh I don't need to compute this either because there is a big nor So that's a good news. I just have to compute ADA and DAB. Okay. So what is ADA? To compute ADA, uh, you start from one and you read A. A, the A, you're writing two, right? From one, you go to two. And if you start from uh, two, you can read anything, so it's zero. But now, you recognize that uh, ADA is just the same as A. Okay, you see this, this is exactly the same thing as this, two zero zero. So what I do is I, I'm adding this relation a b a is A. And now, I can do the same with uh, BAB. D A uh, D A D. If I start from one I arrive in zero. If I start from two B oh Okay. Uh, if I start from two E A and B arrive in one. So again, it's one zero, and again this is just the same thing as b. So let me add this b a is b b. So now I have my my monoid. What I want to compute is this m is one a b a b a b a zero. And it is defined by this relation, AB is A, B is B, A A or DB equals zero. So now, if I want to multiply uh, two elements to know the product, it's it just, it's sufficient to use this relation. So for instance, imagine I want to compute a b times BA, I write it as a B, B, a, this is zero and this is zero. Okay. So do you see how, uh, how I obtained this, uh, this monoid from uh, this uh, automaton?
1: Yeah.
0: Very good. so this was an example. Let me do this other example, which is much simpler because on, there is only one letter. So here we have the identity as empty word gives the identity. And what happens if I compute a square? Well, obviously a square is again the identity. So you start from one, you have to one and you start from two, you're to two. So in this case, uh, you have a much simpler monoid. Which has two elements with the relation equals, yeah? and so this is just a group of all the two, right? Now, what did I compute all of this? Because as this is useful to characterize the languages, but I still need another definition. Which is the definition of an epiregular monoid. So a monoid is aperiodic, A finite monoid is epiregular whenever, if you start with any element x, and you can't comp- compute uh, the successive powers of this element, uh, well, it's, it, it's stationary. So in some sense, so you have some n such that x to the n is equal to x to the n plus Okay. So, in order to, uh, I would like to illustrate this definition on my two examples. So you recognize the monoid I just computed before, and I want to check whether this monoid is aperiodic or not. So for this, I compute the powers of the successive elements. So the first one is. One squared is one, okay. Obviously, a square is zero, so a cube is also zero. Same thing for b, b square equals b cube equals zero, and a b that's more interesting. A b square is Maybe. But here we know by this relation uh, that this is a. So therefore, this is a. So this element is a, idempotent, which is equal to its own square, and in the same way. This is BA. So uh, you, you see, we, are, we have found for each element x, if you compute the successive power, then it stabilizes uh, like this xn equals xn plus 1. So this monoid
1: is ethereal.
0: Let's uh, consider now. Let's go back to this one. Well, if you compute a, start with a, then you have a square equal one, then a cube is a, a four is one, a five is a as you can see it's So it alternates between a and one but you never have it's to the n equal x to the n plus one but it's not a period it's not a period and now here comes a big result which is due to certain data series which tell you that a regular language is star free if and only if it's syntactic monoid period. This is a kind of really amazing result. If you consider it was proved back to 1965, uh, where automata theory was not that advanced at the time. And I, I just don't know how he managed to, to find this connection between this very combinatorial property of stuffiness. And this very algebraic property of uh, syntactic economy. but it works. And the proof is difficult. There are essentially two proofs, uh, but one is by induction on the stru- structural properties of, this, of the monoids, and you need some uh, um, set theory. And the other one uh, makes use of uh, the Strong words theorem or a composition of memory classroom. So, both are digital. Just to be complete, uh, the complexity has been analyzed, and it turns out that if you start with a finite deterministic automaton, as, as we did. Uh, you want to decide whether it accepts the staff language, and this is P space complete.
2: Is it P space complete, and you find the language, like you come up with a witness? or is a space complete, regardless of whether or not your proof includes actually determining what the language is?
0: Uh, so it, it's, uh, you want to decide, I give you a final pattern just like uh, the one I gave you before, mm-hmm. that's the input. And the output is yes or no to the stuffed language.
2: Okay, without necessarily actually writing down like the exactly. No, no. okay.
0: Yeah. Actually, uh, if I remember correctly, the length of the shortest star expression is uh, a tower of exponential length. It's very long. Point that finds me it, for the example I gave you, it would be impossible to write it uh, maybe on one page not and is,
2: is there a connection between this result and finite cyclic groups because it I don't know morally feels like maybe there's a connection, but
0: Yes. Yes. Yeah. Actually, there is there is one connection. Uh, yes, there is a deep connection actually. So, if you but you need to go a little bit inside uh, semigroups, so I mentioned the the role of idempotents. Okay, and uh, you can prove that if you have a finite monoid, if you have an idempotent, any idempotent in, in the finite monoid is contained. In a, in a maximal group, and uh, being periodic means that these these uh, maximal groups are all trivial. So actually, another the name for periodic monoid is group free. If you look at the literature, you you find group free, and so yes, it is really connected to this. Of course, if you have a, if you have a, uh, the syntax in general, this is a group. It's certainly not stuff, except if this is a trivial group. Uh, the answer is definitely yes. So uh, I wanted to make a, a short visit to logic, just to show you that this is also relevant for other things, and uh, I don't want to go. Too much into formalism, but just want to give to, you uh, uh, an intuitive uh, definition of this, of the logic I want to use. So uh, here you consider a word you okay? and you want to say something like this you contains an a name. so more precisely, as there is a position I in your work. Which carries an A, which I indicated by this uh, arrow there. So we have some A inside the word. But in terms of logics, you would write there exists I, which means there is a position, and AI. Uh, so A is a predicate uh, applied to the variable I, which means that in position I, there is a word. And so now if you take all, all words satisfying this this uh, formula, it's a language, it's a set of words which contains an a So can you describe this
1: language? Mm-hmm. So
0: any ID?
3: Mm-hmm. Like with an automaton or a regular expression?
0: A regular expression.
3: So I think it would be a star, a, a star.
0: Exactly. It will be this. Yep. Now, almost uh, the same. Uh, now I'm, I'm saying there are two positions, I before J. Uh, I carries an A and uh, J carries a, B. oh, J, J carries a B. So, in terms of logic, I would write it in this way. There exists a position i, there exists a position j, i is smaller than j, and ai and bg. So, in the same way, it would define, well, the language basically a star, a, a star, b, a star,
1: right?
0: Uh, and I had some, uh, two exercises here for you. Uh, find a formula for, uh, for uh, we do it in the, reverse, in the reverse way. Find a formula, defining this language, A star.
3: So we just write A subscript
2: zero, right? If we're zero indexing, and that would be, you yeah. don't even need a but quantifier.
0: Yeah, but the problem is uh, you don't have access to zero officially in my logic. So uh, what the trick instead is to say, there exists a position I, uh, which would be the first position. So I, how can I say this? I can say that- it's Smaller than everything? Exactly. That exists an I such that four J i is smaller than, oh, let me write it this way. Normally I should write smaller than or equal, but okay, let me allow this. And yeah, right. Let me see
2: if you read. So examples one and two would be like the F or eventually formula in LTL and example three would be like the X or next uh, in Oh, LTL.
0: okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, you will see uh, I mentioned the LTL later on that you're right. You're perfectly right. Uh, so if you want to do the, the next one, a star a star, uh what you could do is say
1: the R2 position i and j. Uh and you want to say that so i would so
0: i i smaller than j and uh you want to have a um,
1: uh,
0: you want to have this, of course. A i mean J, but you want to also say that there is nothing between.
1: So so for everything, uh, okay. Yeah, exactly. For every uh, K okay. Greater than J is greater than I. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, uh,
0: so you don't have it. There is nothing between. Okay. There is no K which, which is uh, strictly between I and J.
1: Okay. Uh, anyway,
0: you see, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a idea. And now this there is this beautiful result by Robert Mac, Mac which tell you that uh, first order formula captures staff languages. So, what does it, this sentence mean? It means that if you start with staff language, you can find a first order formula. So, first order, uh, I guess you know what it is. It means that you have variables uh, of uh, which represent uh, just the. Uh, yeah, so you have quantifiers just about uh, on variables. And so, if you start with stuff languages, you can find uh, a, form, a first-order formula which represents the language. And conversely, if you have a first-order formula, it necessarily represents a stuff language. So you may wonder what happens if I have a regular language now, just like a star. Uh, actually, this is interesting because this theorem was proved before, was proved by Brügmann in, in the sixties, that Regular languages are captured by monadic second order for formula. So, monadic second order uh, means that uh, you can quantify, you are allowed to quantify uh, on sets of uh,
2: so, uh, D- Dr. Pin, se- is that why we say bookie automaton? Because every LTL formula can be expressed using monadic second order uh, predicates, and each of those could be captured by uh, a regular expression or something like that?
0: Yeah, regu- so uh, every regular language can be computed by, by, expressed by a monadic second order expression, uh, sorry, hmm. formula. And if you have a monadic second-order formula, it defines a regular language. Okay, uh, but I, I want to show you uh, uh, why you need to quantify on set. Just for, for instance, this language is not star-free, but I can still um, use this, quantity, this this formula. There exists capital X, so this is a set you now of position, a set of position such that. And uh, I want to say that uh, the first position, which I call bin, is in x. uh The last position uh, is not in x. And uh, before all it's, x, it's x in x is equivalent to the successor, so it's this one. Is not. So I'm, I'm cheating here because I'm using mean, max and plus, which are not defined, but I can express them by a first order formula. Uh, let's use this as an exercise. And so if you look at this now, uh, assume you have a, um, if you compute the, the position from 1, you will have a, 1 is in X okay. sorry uh, what is this? You should not reduce too fast. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, okay, so you have,
1: sorry, uh, the elements, the elements which are in X
0: and those which are not in X. So you know that one is in the first position, is an X, uh, but because you have this four, so two is not in X, but three is an X, four is an X, is not in X, and. Uh, Uh, and so on, and you end up with uh, the maximum, which will be the length of the word is not in it. Okay, so it uh, implies that this is of uh, the word as a even length So that's true. Now I don't want to detail this, because, but anyway, so. Uh, had this not just for you because you mentioned linear temporal logic. It turns out that uh, this is a reason to uh that linear temporal logic also captures <coughs> stuff in a movie. uh <clears throat> which uh, in some sense really uh, shows that this is a very important uh, set class of regular languages uh, from to many natural things. So, one of consequence is that A star is the language of star at one. This is not, it, it's not star free. And obviously it is a star at one. And actually, uh, we, we know a little bit more. So for instance, uh, it can be shown that if you have the syntactic monoid of a language is a commutative, commutative monoid, then the language are start at most one, just like in this case. And furthermore, and that's much more difficult to prove that if you have a group, if the syntactic monoid is a group of small order, less than 12, which is very small, then the language has tied at most one. Uh, But uh, the next question is uh, well, okay but uh, is it possible to obtain a, an algebraic characterization of the language of size smaller than one? That's, if you, are, you, have, you have seen schutten theorem is very nice. We have an algebraic characterization for the stuff in So as a hope for that, is it possible to have this? And for this, uh, we need a, uh, to go uh, beyond uh, languages and I will uh, talk about varieties. So let me just mention this and after that, maybe. I'll, uh, okay. uh, so what is a variety of languages? It's, it's, it's a class of regular languages, which are closed on those uh, two things, Swiss things. First of all, Boolean operations, union. Intersection and complement. They are closed on the so called residuals. Well. This is this operation. This one. If you know about the tomata, that's what it is. So if you probably know that if the language is regular, it's a, its residual visible, visible, is also regular. And the third one is a bit more technical if you have phi from A start to another alphabet
1: is a monoid morphism.
0: Then the L uh regular languages regular languages let's say for called V. Lay L in V implies the inverse image of L G. Okay, so they are closed on the inverse closure on the Inverse series of morphisms. That's what we see. Those are the abstract. So you want the example. So, first example regular language. Second example, staff languages. Third example. Uh, regular languages whose syntactic monoid is a finite group not necessarily finite and there are myriad uh, plenty of examples
1: <clears throat> so <clears throat>
0: Uh, I'm not sure if to have time.
3: Hmm. Groups are an example as well, right? Sorry. Are groups an example?
0: Well, groups uh, that, that's uh, I'm talking about variety of languages, not just at the level of languages. So they are uh, r- regular languages with syntactic languages, as a group form a variety of languages. That's this is a third example, but you can have many other examples. Like this.
1: Gotcha. Yeah.
0: Uh, uh, originally, I wanted to make a, a, a short break. Uh, we, we'd like to have a short break if you want me to
3: keep going. Uh, Anybody in the audience
1: have an opinion about this?
3: I, I think whatever you prefer, Dr. Penn, I, I'm happy to keep on going. But if you'd like a break, we can, we can do it. No, we no, no, I, 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 no I, okay, no, I think
0: continue. I I think, yeah. okay. uh, mm. Yes, so let me, I, I will just uh, maybe add, uh, so let me mention this. So there is a zeroing, by I didn't that varieties of languages regular and can be characterized by some equations. of the corresponding syntactic So this is a very loose statement. Uh, I could make. I would try to make it precise but I'm not sure to be, to be able to do this uh, completely. But let me just, you the idea that for instance you have star free languages uh they correspond to API monoids, which correspond to uh, which are defined by uh, This kind of equation. For all X, there exists a nine, it's an answer that X plus the n equal to Xn plus one, right? That's what just what we have. The problem is that uh, this form of equation is not that nice because uh, it involves these uh, quantifiers and especially this uh, exists. So uh, one can avoid this by using to topology, but I'm not sure I want to do this uh, right now. Maybe I can try. So we want to rewrite this uh, this uh, equation in some way, uh, and for this we need uh, some topology. So let me. See let me start by defining a, a topology on, the, on a finite monoid so we have a discrete
1: topology which we'll is defined this way
0: Okay, uh, well, we skip this question. So, this uh, it turns out that uh, you can verify that the product is uniformly uniform, uniform continuous, so this is uh, a discrete metric. And now I want to do uh, something not, not on uh, the finite polaridon, but on A star. The first, the idea is that intuitive ID. Two words are close in this metric, this new metric. If one needs a large Monoid. you separate it. And instead of monoid, I could use automaton. If you are more familiar with this. So what does it mean? It means that uh, suppose, for instance, I have a, The words uh, A to the end well, These two words okay. so I'm looking for a, an automaton which accept one but reject the other one. So as you can see, uh, so what would be the, in your opinion, what would be the smallest uh, automaton for uh, monoid uh, which uh, separates them? I think a star would work.
1: A star. Sorry. Uh, no, double a star, like yeah, double exactly. a a star. Yeah,
0: exactly. So, what you observe is that uh, this has the even length and this has odd length. So, if you take just this automaton, okay, uh, then uh, 1A100 would be 1, but 1A101 would be 2. Okay, so which means, in terms of algebraically, you mean it means that you have a map phi from A star to M. You say a monoid separates two words. If you have a, a morphism such that phi of U is different from phi this this is exactly means that phi separates the word. Even. Right? So that's that's my that's my definition. of separation. So in this example, well, I can separate them by this. You know the city group, even, not even. Okay. And uh, now. If I want to make it a, a metric, uh, I do the following. So I, I keep this ID, but I denote it by R of UV. This is the size of uh, uh, the smallest possible monoid, which separates uh, the word Q and want One can show that it is always possible to find such a monoid, just like uh, you can take a uh, finite automaton in separating two words. And now the metric is two to the minus R series. It's just to adjust things uh, in such a way that uh, if you need a large monoid, if you need the large monoid to separate them, the, I told you they are close, but the distance will be very small. And it turns out that this is really a metric. And furthermore, you have a special property called ultrametric, which means that instead of the uh, triangular inequality, you have this max instead. Uh, this metric on works is first of all, it's very difficult to compute. If you want to, it's very difficult to get an intuition on it. I'm sorry for that, but it uh, makes sense. Uh, on the other hand, it is well be- behaved. Uh, I let you as an exercise to verify that the translations are continuous in the following sense. You have the distance between xz. X, Y, and Z are words. You have, have these two properties here. So they are continuous. And moreover, uh, the product is a uniformly continuous map. The proof is very simple. It's, it's, if you want to compute the, the distance between each one X2, and Y1, Y2, you use this uh, uh, strong inequality. Uh, you insert y one x 2 in the middle here and there. So you use this equality. Now you observe that using one, you can replace this by this and this, and that's it. So it is well behaved. So the product is uniformly continuous. So now I'm ready to define the uh, the profinite monoid. So what is We know that a star D e is a, a metric in the, in the market. And also a metric it okay. Uh, so, if you remember your your first course on uh, topology on metric spaces, uh, you know that uh, every metric space has a unique, uh, essentially unique up to isomorphism, a unique completion you remember a metric space is complete if uh, every Cauchy sequence is converging and there is a completion. So let's call the let A star hat the completion. Okay. So the profinite monoid is just this, well, just um, it's a completion of a study. As I told you, it's uh, rather difficult to explain uh, what it is. It's not just like it. when you construct the real numbers says it's completion of Q, but every, every one of you uh, knows what a real number is. The problem with A star hat is that I have no such description.
3: Uh, the and only thing- The, can, the limit yeah. points are going to
2: be infinite words, right? I, I mean, words, but like infinite sequences of letters?
0: Not really. That's the first problem. Uh, it's not an infinite sequence of letters. They are just the limits, that abstract limit of uh, pushy sequences. But uh, I will give you actually one example of, of a one converging sequence, uh, which converts to, to some LA element in a minute. Uh, but uh, it's contraintuitive. So it, it has nothing to do with infinite words. It's really different at first. The second point is that this space is, uh, you know, a star is is, uh, countable, but this space a star hat is not comfortable. And uh, actually, this is an open problem to have a nice uh, description of of this space, but still, we can use it. Okay, so. uh, I told you I want to, to obtain to describe your Cauchy sequence, but one thing which would be useful to know is that uh, essentially, so I don't want to. Be essentially, the uh, profinite what I call a profinite word. an element of this is the hat, uh, is known through its projections onto Finite monoids. So the idea is that if you have Phi, uh, if you have a, a, a monoid morphism. From A star to a finite monoid, then it extends in a unique way into the continuous monoid. He had one A star hat. The M. the M. is discrete, okay. So this is the member discrete. So if you have this, uh, basically two elements. Oh, okay. no, sorry. If you have two elements, u and v, nesta hat, then u equal v, if and only, for all morphisms from a star to n, phi hat of u is equal to phi hat of u. this is exactly what, what I mean by essentially a profanite known, is known through its projections. If you know the image on every finite for every morphism, if, if, if you know this, this values, three of you, no, you are done. This value, three of you, But let me go to this uh, the, the unique concrete example I will be able to give you, which is this
1: one. Uh,
0: I'm considering a finite, uh, a finite a finite semigroup group X, and uh, now, and compute the powers of this monoid, of, sorry, of the element, x, x squared, and so on. So, since it is finite, uh, there is some p such that you have this. So, p is a period. And after that, so you, you loop around this element. So, we around the circle, x, xi to p is x, x equal to e to the i. And it's not very difficult that to show, and there is a short proof here, you to read it, that on this circle, but that is there is some powers, which usually denoted by x to the omega, which has the property that x omega is an identity. So, there is a power of it which is an identity in a finite group always. Okay. Moreover, uh, this uh, this uh, the circle, the element on the circle. I, I remember, I mentioned that uh, each time you have an identity, you have a maximal group. In this case, it is very easy. The maximal group is just the C group uh, over here. That's exactly is what it is. So it's okay. Uh, So here is a short proof. I don't know if you want to read it, but all I need to know is that if I take an element X, some power will be an idea, but then I denote this by X to the Okay. But there is something very, very, very remarkable. Suppose that. I have now a motoroid of size n, <clears throat> okay? Then uh, I claim that for all x in n, x is the power n factorial will be an identity. Why? Why? Because you know that some powers will be, I don't know, if some powers will be in the circle, in the circle of the, and the circle is a group. So if you, are, if you are in a group, what I'm using here is that G is a group, the finite group, X to the power G is uh, the identity of the group. You know this. Mm-hmm. Okay, now, but you, if you have n factorial and n is larger than n, uh, a, 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 sorry, n, n e. so you certainly are, That uh, this power is a multiple of the size of the group. Certainly. So we just prove this formula. That's very interesting because it means that there is an element, you know, uh, you have this this, uh, remarkable formula. And this implies that limit. have this in, a, in every finite monoid. But actually, this is a constant. Okay. Ah, well, very nice. But actually, this shows that, well, I, I don't give the detail, but basically, we can show that x to the n factorial is actually a Cauchy sequence. And since it is a Cauchy sequence, it defines an element in a star hat. So this very formula can be used used to define an element of a star hat which is ident button.
3: But if we didn't have the factorial, it would
2: not be a well-defined limit, right? Absolutely. Okay. Yep. Yeah. It's kind of counterintuitive. <laughs> yep.
0: Absolutely. So this element x omega is very nice, and uh, uh, well, that uh, has slightly expensive, But anyway, uh, let me keep going uh, where I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, <clears throat> I have this, and uh, now uh, the hyperbolic condition. Remember. And now be written as X to the Omega is equal to X to zero Omega times X, or if you prefer X Omega plus one. And actually, if you want to be precise, X to Omega plus one should be defined as the limit of another Cauchy sequence, which is physical. But that's perfectly to do. So now that's very interesting because now we really have equations. So the condition means that the language, the language is from. If I'm if its syntactic unit satisfies the profinite equation X omega from policy. Which means what? It means that if you consider the map from a star to the syntactic monoid of the language, as we did, it extends, and you take uh, uh, then and x is in a star hat now then phi hat of x is omega is equal to phi hat of x is omega that's formally written you don't want to go into this abstract setting really what you mean is that each time you go to the finite monoid you go back to a uh, you look for the item button then you want to verify that the next element in the loop is a x omega plus one because so justice but it's really a profound equation, so it's an, a formal equality between two elements of a star height. And coming back to uh, 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 Eigenberg's theorem, that's a story, it tells you that each time you have a variety, remember that, where, where is it? If you have a variety of line languages, it can be characterized by a set of profinite equations. That's exactly. That's actually, that's Eilenberg and Reiterman. Okay. So, uh, how is this useful for our problem? Uh, yeah, so, so I have a more, more formal definition. If you wish, uh, let me review this. So, if you start with a finite monoid, you have a morphism, you extend it to uh, a star hat by continuity. And now, if you have two, two words of so a profinite monoid on uh, variables on X, then M satisfies the profinite equation, you v if and only. For every monoid morphism from X car to M, you have this theta of the series and a periodic monoid. Commutative monoid would be defined—that's very easy by the equation xy yx. Not very surprisingly, groups are more interesting. Uh, uh, what are the uh, what would be the equations for languages with syntactic monoid is a finite group? I, I told the answer. It will be this x to the omega equal one. Why? Remember, x to the omega is a, the item potential generated by x. So if you have a monoid in which every element, the unique item potential is the identity, finite, a finite monoid in which the unique item is the identity, will be group, That was. So as you see, this is very, very nice equation. Uh, you may you may consider that maybe uh, you can uh, construct every profinite word using this omega operator, perhaps. No hope. If you just have the omega operator, you still have a countable number of elements. Okay. If even if you consider something like this. some expression, you know, uh, it's why uh, to think well, all these terms, there will be only contributing of, of them. And I told you, a the hat is not going Well, that's right, anyway. So, back to uh, eilenberg reiter you know, a more precise version. The class of regular languages is the variety of languages in know knowledge, the syntactic knowledge satisfy a set of co-finite equations. Be careful. This is a set. This set can be infinite, possibly. So in the case of star languages, we were very lucky. We had just one single equation, and more or it was simple. one. But uh, the theorem doesn't say anything. It could be, the set could possibly be uh, infinite. And moreover, it doesn't say at all, which equations, which set of equations, this is an existing It Tell you there is, uh, the term varieties come from this, defined by equation. So it's just like a variety in uh, mathematical sense. you know, but we don't do this. So what is, is it useful for the star head problem? So it boiled down to this question. We know that stuff with languages form a variety of languages. So what about the languages that start so say smaller than one Big disaster. Well, maybe not. Actually, uh, it was shown that if the languages are start at most one form a variety of languages? then all regular languages are styled at most, So which would mean that there is no language of styled.
2: Is that just cause you take like the empty language and then you do product with your arbitrary language of higher star height, and then it has to be within your variety and you've wrapped it a contradiction?
1: Mm, no. So
0: that's, con- so sorry. The reason for this result is that actually, uh, you, you will see what it's missing to be a variety okay. of magnitude. Uh, but that's a. Uh, that's a. It, depending on whether you're optimistic uh, about uh, the language of star one or not, <laughs> it could be considered as very positive result or very difficult. Uh, I would, like. You will, I hope, understand. So, uh, what is the problem? So, we don't know whether, basically, we don't know whether the languages of type smaller than one form a variety of languages. However, uh, we know that the languages of type at most n, n, even n, are closed under Boolean operations. The first point, they are closed on the residuals. The second point, and they are closed on the inverses of not on the morphism but on the inverses of length preserving morphism. So, what is a length preserving morphism? It's just a morphism that makes a letter to certain other letter. Remember, these morphisms are between a star and b star. So if you send letter to letter, you preserve the length of this. Okay, so it means that few of you, the length of few of you will do the same thing as the length of. It. If you just consider this kind of work, then it's are close on the inverse of this one. So, uh, but there is some hope. It turns out that Howard strobing in picture managed to prove an extension of Eidenberg Writerman theorem. So now you consider a class of regular languages which are closed under Boolean operations and residuals. If they are closed under inverses of morphism, then they are defined by some set of profinite equations. This is just uh Eidenbergs. If you are closed on the inverses of lengths multiplying morphism, slight variation, they are also defined by some set of differential equations. But here you require that all the variables have to be interpreted as words of the same length. I will give you an example to kind of explain what you things. And the last case uh, of interest for us, which is exactly the case where uh, the class is closed on the lengths, which Then it can be defined by some set of profinite equations, in which all variables are interpreted as letters. So, in, in order to illustrate the uh, second case, I would like to go a little bit far from this lecture and talking about circuits. You don't need to know anything. Uh, uh, maybe you have heard of this zero as just as a term. This is a class of uh, I don't want to, it has a nice logical characterization as well. I don't want to go into that. But the interesting point is that I'm looking at the regular languages in this class. And these languages are closed under the algorithm, residuals, universe of length independent And now, come here comes the, the beautiful theorem by Barrington, Stroud and in looking back in 1990. The regular languages in this class satisfied, or are defined by some kind of uh, profinite equation, you see this, uh, this equation is involves this omega operator I had before, so it's not that complicated. The difference is that now you want to interpret x and y as words of equal length. So if you go back to my example before, you would just replace. You remember the syntactic variable *star*. You would have to replace x by some word and y by some other word, but these two words should be of the same. So we, you know, we have this uh, this kind of results, which tell you that, uh, well, you can, you can characterize some classes. So let me be back to the start problem. As I told you, the uh, so languages that start and are closed on the, uh, almost varieties are closed on the lengths, inverses of length preserving the so therefore, by the Jordan theorem, they can be they have a characterization by profinite equations, where now variables are interpreted as logic. Okay, very nice. So if you are, so now you have there are two questions. So do you think there? Are, if you think there is a language of, of style too, so it would suffice to find a just a single equation satisfied by all languages of type, less than one. It proves the existence of a language of type. You don't even need to have a full characterization. If you just find a single equation, that's fine. And you, find, you will take a language that does not satisfy this equation, that's it. But now comes the bad news. The bad news are three of them. The first one is that, as I told you before, this profanate question are not new. We have no idea what they are. Worse, it's quite possible that all regular languages have start less than one. And nobody was able to find any language of start two. So it's still an open problem to find. <laughs> The language of type of type two. So, if you remember my, my first results and directions, that I told you, it's quite if if uh, the uh, languages of type less than one former variety, full variety of languages, and every language of type less than one, it's quite possible. Nobody can, well, even nobody was able to find a contact so now you have a dichotomy. Dec- some people think that every language has start at most one, and some other people think that uh, well, come on, There should be languages by too. So what are the the latents? If you want to practice, So here is a candidate com- a possible candidate. Uh, so you see this uh, this. Uh, relatively long expression. Uh, it's apparently at start three, but well, I want to make it a, a candidate for style two. if you want to understand what it means because uh, the the regular expression is a bit uh, complex. Uh, it is if you look at this, this automatic over there. It just the set of words you Uh, Such that if you start from the initial state zero, you arrive to the final state zero, okay. But there is another condition: is that when you look uh, the path that goes back to zero, it use choose sorry, it it should use this red h this one an even number of times. You, so uh, that's, that's the, I think this is the smallest candidates that was not used to be a style so if you want to practice more generally as you said uh, that uh, group languages are a good candidate for style uh, if you want to have a, a complicated language, take any, uh, take a complicated group, whatever it is, so at least uh, of size at least 12, uh, and take any modern morphism from a star to G and take the inverse image of one into this morphism. Uh, it's, you, you should find a rather complicated uh, language. So this is a, in the uh, direction of finding uh, language of style. On the other hand, if you think that every language of is type one, you may consider looking at uh, things like this. You take F1 and F2, two finite languages. Okay? Well? And then you look at F1 star intersection F2 star. Okay. So, since this is a, it can be rewritten as R star, because it's, it's a monoid, it's as is form. And if you compute some example, you will find that R can be really, really complicated to compute. So it tells you that basically we don't know much. Right. Look at this. I even don't use complement, and we have seen that the power of complement in this problem. But the complexity of this is, is such that uh, we may just miss uh, some uh, powerful tools to obtain uh, uh, expressions of, of, uh, of uh, low star. So just in this direction, this will be my my last uh, comment. Uh, You can try just to look at this intermediate side problem. Uh, When you ignore complement, that you just allow union and intersection, the two complement in definition of the style. And even this one is unknown. So uh, we don't know whether there are Languages of arbitrary intermediate start, whether decided. Okay, this is uh, unfortunately a very uh, still wide open problem. Also, we have seen we, we tried to push in various directions involving uh, algebra, topology, uh, even logic. as I was, There were some tries, I didn't mention them, but in that direction, the problem, unfortunately or certain still open. Okay, thank you. And uh, please ask questions if you. There's plenty of um,
3: discussion. We should do this. Thank you very much, Dr. Penn, that was fantastic. Um, I- I'll let other people ask questions first if they have any. Yeah, I guess,
2: um, could you elaborate a little bit on the connection to uh, complexity theory? I mean, you mentioned this earlier when you brought up, uh, I think it's AC0 or something that which, I, I vaguely remember from when I took complexity theory a year ago, but not very well. But, but maybe there's some connection there where this problem is more difficult than it seems because it's somehow related to some difficult question about different classes in complexity theory, something like that.
0: Yeah, okay. Uh... Circuits, yeah. So, uh, <clears throat> yes, yeah, there are, you know, there are various classes of complexity, and uh, on especially on circuits, and uh, if you change. Now, you see AC zero is basically circuits uh, using uh, gates and or and not, uh, which has a, which are polynomial size and constant depths, okay? And under unbounded uh If you slightly change uh, this definition to allow modulo two gates, or modulo three gates, or modulo six gates, you end up with uh, new classes. And again, the same questions arise. Can you separate them? I mean, especially, uh, uh, and, 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 and there is well, actually, if you want to, to know everything about this, this kind of question, look at uh, Howard Strouding's book on the uh, circuit complexity and uh, I don't remember the title, but uh, it, it contains all of this. Uh, what I want to say is that in order to separate these uh, complexity classes, uh, you may try to separate them by some languages. So yes, there is this language majority and so on, Okay, but it turns out for a c zero, this is very special because you can use regular language regular languages to separate them. okay and that's the spirit of the serum was to use regular languages to separate a c zero from other classes. And the problem is that this serum uh, is uh, Okay, if I remember. It makes use of a deep result on uh, complexity inside this script. Also, it's a result on regular languages. Uh, we don't know of a direct proof of this without using uh, this uh, uh, separation results, uh, a deep result separation result. And that's, that's uh, amazing. I mean, that's a nice result but we don't have a simple piece. Well, not even a simple rule, We don't have an algebraic piece, purely algebraic. And there are plenty of classes. Uh, I, th- I told you, for instance, for the, uh, the modulo two, with not two gates, there are some results. for not three gates, there are some results. But for not six gates, I think this is still open. Whether right it's uh, the same, uh, it's, it's more powerful than not a, a three gates. So there are the progress has been extremely slow. Are still very slow. Extremely slow, both on the complexity size, because there is not so much progress in 20 years on this side, and uh, on the regular size also. That's right. I mean, Harris for me has published a few partial results on this direction, but it's not that um, easy. Uh, But in general,
2: yeah. um, I'm I'm sorry, I was just gonna ask if you could comment on the magic number 12, uh, because you (laughs) you have
0: about 12. No, no, 12 12, 12 is just that, uh, I think once you get 12, uh, which group do you have? Um, Well, I don't remember which group we have, but there is, there is a, a, the first, uh, we still have solvable groups, but.
2: Uh, okay, but you arrive at some interesting group and that's when things change.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: Okay. That, that's the
0: first, the first thing we couldn't solve, but it, you know, this is so tiny. Uh, this is really impressive that, really is that the fact that, which we, we cannot even decide whether a language of style to just means it. Come on. Is that possible, really? Uh, well, that's like, you know, on, the, on complexities of the same. You know, we, we don't know whether P is space or something. So.
3: Sheng and Daniel uh, or Kai, if any of you have questions, you should, you should have it, no, okay.
2: Well, I have one that's kind of off the wall. Um, uh, since we're talking about the completion of a metric space and we arrive in this kind of exotic, interesting looking space, um, I have to ask, do you think there's any connection to p-adic numbers, which would be the other you know, interesting example of a completion of a metric space that I think a lot of people are aware of? Yes,
0: there is a strong connection with that. Okay, let me explain to you. I can explain this in two minutes. I uh, just changed my definition by considering morphisms not onto a finite monoids, but onto a finite p group. Right? So you want to take two words, you want to separate them by a finite p group. Uh, you can prove this can always be done. Okay, now you take a, a, a one letter alphabet. Let's start. Okay, so you define the same uh, metric, but with P group instead of monoliths. And what you get when you take the completion, you get 10 numbers. If you go to a, a, a larger alphabet, you get to something called the pro-P pro group. It's already, it's, it's a compact group. Where well, by the way, star hat is also a compact number. So it's really, it's really uh, related to that. And uh, languages recognized by T-group are extremely interesting. Uh, but actually, uh, I could give a full lecture <laughs> on them. Actually, I did, there were, if you look, uh, I think there is one which should be even uh, on, uh, on the internet, on the uh, I was invited to some uh, to give a lecture and you can find it on the internet somewhere. Anyway, uh, so yes, definitely, yes, yes, yes.
2: Fantastic. Well, thank you very much for your time, Dr. Penn. This is absolutely fabulous. Um, if people want to contact you, if, if, you know, uh, uh, if Daniel has some breakthrough on the problem tonight and <laughs> wants <laughs> to get feedback, uh, can they email you? What's, what's the best way to contact you?
0: Thank you very much, yes, this would be appreciated.
2: Okay, fantastic. Um, and you. I'll post this recording online. Uh, I know that, uh, for instance, Brennan had a meeting halfway through and had to leave. So some people want to watch after the fact. And um, yeah, we really appreciate your time. This is, this okay. is stupendous.
0: Uh, could you send me the link also? so? Yes, we'll do. Yep. Okay.
2: yep. Thanks. Right. Thank you, Dr. Penn. Bye.
0: Bye.